Good afternoon and welcome back to another episode of I-80 Sports Media. Today we're talking about the AFC North. First things first, happy St. Patrick's Day. Mark is in the house. Mark, happy St. Patrick's Day, buddy. Oh yeah, happy St. Patrick's Day. Okay, coming in hot with that one. Steve, you're up next. Steve? What is going on top of the afternoon to everybody? All right, so today we're talking about the AFC North. But first, it's St. Patrick's Day. We've got to talk about luck. Mark, who is your luckiest player in the NFL 2019 edition? I think that the luckiest player in the NFL uh, has to deal with news that broke this week. That's uh, Kareem Hunt. Uh, You wouldn't think that it's lucky, but I think that it's incredibly lucky that he only got eight games for uh, the entire TMZ video, the assault. I was expecting to be much longer than eight. So seemingly his uh, his 2019 season isn't completely over before it started. So I'd say that's pretty lucky. And um, also lucky is Baker Mayfield for having a receiving back to go alongside with Nick Chubb. Uh, really, really good stuff there. I think eight weeks, while it may not be appropriate, I think it is. it does fit within the standards the NFL has set. You know, of course, the, the, the Ray Rice thing was way bigger and they've raised the uh, suspensions since then but eight weeks kind of goes along with what the nfl has been doing for um, situations of you know domestic violence as bad as that video was i think it does kind of hold with what they've been doing steve what about you who's your luckiest player of nfl i'm gonna go with sam darnold right now because he just got the best pass catching and best overall running back in free agency in Le'Veon bell and he got one of the best slot receivers in the game this week with uh, Jameson Crowder. Absolutely. So we'll, we'll call him Check Down Darnold from now on. Mark, can you can you copy that uh, <laughs> nickname down? Check Down Darnold. Jot uh, it down. Make a note. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Um, mine, of course, would be uh, Andrew Luck. Not just because of his name, but because of, of, of things happening in his career over the last couple of years. He obviously missed the two, whole 2017 season um, with an injury while he was supposed to be ready for the first game of the season. That obviously did not come through, and it came out later that it was because of a snowboarding accident that he re-injured his hurt shoulder. Missed the entire 2017 season and came back, not only to find himself still with a job... But he had a career high in completions, free 430 completions, career high completion percentage, 67.3, um, almost a career high. He was, uh, I think, 200 yards shy of his uh, yardage total, one touchdown shy of his career high for touchdowns with 39. He only had 40 once in 2014. And... Some stud tight ends. You know what happened with Eric Ebron. What a great story for this past year. Eric Andrew Luck is the luckiest player in the NFL. That is my version. So there it is. Happy St. Patrick's Day, everyone. You have our luckiest players in the NFL. Let's move on. Today we're talking AFC North. Of course, we're going to start with the Baltimore Ravens. We're going to start with the contributors for Baltimore Ravens. And the first, of course, would be quarterback Joe Flacco. 232 completions for 2465 yards 12 touchdowns six interceptions in nine games of course the last seven of the season were started by lamar jackson 99 passes for 1201 yards six touchdowns and three interceptions but he also added 147 rushes for 695 yards and five touchdowns 
Moving on to some running backs, you had Gus Edwards with 137 attempts for 718 yards and two touchdowns. You have the currently cut Alex Collins, 114 attempts for 411 yards and seven touchdowns rushing and 15 receptions for 105 yards and one touchdown. Of course, in uh, receiving in the backfield there, you have Buck Allen, 41 rushes for 110 yards and three touchdowns and adding 35 catches for 196 yards and two touchdowns receiving. When you move on to the wide receivers, kind of barren wasteland, you had Willie Sneed actually led the team 62 receptions for 655, uh, 651 yards and one touchdown. You had Michael Crabtree with 57 catches for 607 yards and three touchdowns. John Brown, um, what draft day superhero, 42 catches, only 715 yards and five touchdowns receiving. And... A couple of tight ends, Mark Andrews, 34 catches, 552 yards and three touchdowns, and Nick Boyle, 23 completions for 213 receiving yards. Those are the Baltimore Ravens, guys. We have some breaking down to do. What are our takes on this Baltimore Ravens team? Let's start with Mark. Yeah, so uh, my team MVP for, uh, for the Ravens this year, I think that was actually a tale of two halves. The entire first half of the season, I'd actually put, especially in the fantasy landscape, I'd make it John Brown. Uh, He had those numbers you just quoted right there, five touchdowns, 715 yards. Almost all of those came in the first half of the season when Joe Flacco was throwing the ball to him. He was a solid wide receiver option for your fantasy team. And the second half, you got to give it to Lamar Jackson. Once they gave him the reins, he was their offense. And that's not necessarily a good thing but it was a good thing for fantasy. Absolutely. Now, when I look at this team, MVP, I have no idea. Really, really rough. You know, Alex Collins got in some trouble and got cut in the offseason. They had zero investment monetarily or draft stock in Alex Collins, which we have to watch out for. Gus Edwards looked really good for two or three weeks. There's really nothing on this roster I'm looking forward to. Lamar Jackson obviously has the upside from rushing, but those passing numbers were very were very Flacco. Flacco, 12 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. Lamar Jackson, 6 touchdowns, 3 interceptions. There's just a, a direct parallel there. Nothing I want. No MVP. This team was just bad from top to bottom. Um, I, I have nothing good to say. Uh, Steve, do you have anything? <laughs> Did you just say that this team was bad top to bottom? They did win the NFC or the AFC North. They did. Yeah, I was about they to did. say. <laughs> but it, it, it was it was defense. When I say bad top to bottom, I mean from a fantasy standpoint. <laughs> like we're not looking at holistic teams here. Like we're looking at players that I want on my roster, and that's a rough. I can't see any yeah. of these guys that be being a top couple round pick for me next year. Obviously. We'll talk about additions later on, but Steve, from 2018, what do you like about this team? Well, my MVP was um, was from a fantasy perspective, Lamar Jackson, because when he got the start, he was basically the only fantasy relevant player for the Ravens. I mean, you could say Gus Edwards too, but Lamar Jackson was a model of consistency for fantasy, and and you know. The Ravens, before Lamar Jackson took over, the Ravens were very close to being mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. But when he came in, 
he got them to the playoffs because the Steelers had a 93 chance, 93 percent chance to win the division, and the Ravens had like a six percent chance. So even when we're talking about the Ravens, Steve finds a way to bring it back to the Steelers. That's how we go. That's how we go. Okay, um, I do agree there. But the exciting thing about this team was the uh, was the rushers. And on the ground, there's really nothing sustainable here. I mean, I guess Gus Edwards, 718 yards, but two touchdowns is not enough. All those on the ground went to Alex Collins, who was not good otherwise. And uh, he's gone now. He got arrested, got cut in the offseason. And they brought in Mark Ingram. Now, this is a very different team heading into next year. Mark Ingram, how does that change the Saints? And does that make him a RB1 my answer is yes, it's got to be. They were devoted to the run with pretty bad rushers. And Mark Ingram is a good player. Mark, what are you thinking about this Mark Ingram? Is he a number one running back? I think he has the ceiling and the capability of being a number one running Excuse back. Excuse me, let me, uh, let, me, let me rephrase just to avoid um, any confusion. Is he an RB1? No, I know. I think that he is... Uh, he has the ceiling to be an RB1. Okay. My hesitancy with it is whether or not uh, Lamar Jackson will continue to be that RB1 for this team, uh, just how much that's going to end up playing. I'm actually really interested to end up seeing this because there's a good chance they're going to end up just running the read option like crazy and almost looking like uh, Navy's offense in college. This could be the prototypical building blocks of a college offense being slapped right to the NFL and see how it does. Absolutely. And obviously right now, I believe Buck Allen is still on the roster. But if you take Gus Edwards and Alex Collins, of course, they split about half the season. If you combine those numbers, that's still 150 rushes for 1,300 yards and nine touchdowns. That's on that borderline RB1 line, and that's that's good enough for me. That's good enough for me. So just saying that there's not enough on the ground with Lamar Jackson isn't cutting it for me. I think there is that bulk. Steve, what do you see going forward with this uh, Ravens team? Going forward, my final thoughts are that they're, they're actually at a crossroad right now because they lost several key defensive players in, this, in the free agency it, but they, but their only upgrade was Mark Ingram. So, and the Ravens only averaged 16 points a game um, with Lamar Jackson. So, we, it's going to be interesting to see can they still play those close games? Hence, because, why I said you know, there's nothing on this team for me. Not because they weren't a good team last yeah. year, but because 16 points a game is not doing it. That's enough to bench everyone on my fantasy roster. Um, good stuff. Yeah, because look at the look at the receivers. Look at the receivers outside of Willie Sneed, outside of Willie Sneed, who is their proven wide receiver right now. I mean, I guess Michael Crabtree. John Brown's been a disappointment. Is that fair enough to say? Crabtree, that? Crabtree was cut, and Brown's on the Bills now. Yeah. So they only I, I have. Mean, I, I guess we'll find out when we're talking about a, a, a secondary option. I do want to bring up the tight end situation. Um, rookie Mark Andrews had a better season at tight end, 34 catches, 552 yards, three touchdowns. Nothing uh, world-beating there, but those those are numbers. However, veteran Nick Boyle caught 23 for 213 and no touchdowns and was just awarded with a $15 million three-year contract. 
Now, you talk to guys around the league, and they say that this Nick Boyle is one of the best blocking tight ends in the league, and that's great, but that's he's not catching balls. 23 for 213, that's unacceptable for a tight end one someone making 15 million dollars mark andrews to me is the better option here but this team is invested right now with nick boyle they are invested five million 15 million over three years that that's a big investment mark um what do you think what uh, is it the blocking well well here's the weird thing about that too is with even with mark andrews playing well and nick boyle getting all that commitment you still had Hayden Hurst, who they spent pretty decent draft capital on last year, too. Mm-hmm. That's of why course. I think that this is going to end up being a really interesting offense uh, for basically every position except for wide receiver. And even in the yeah. tight end landscape, I, I don't think I'll be able to draft one because I won't be able to pick which one it's going to be. They're going to have so many two tight ends, three tight ends. Sets. Well, we know which one it surprised. isn't. We know which one it isn't. We know it's not Nick Boyle. He may be in, in on every single play all season, but he's not catching the balls. He was there for blocking, which to me says, hey guys, we're getting a block, blocking tight end, 15 million over three years. We're going to run the rock. We're, we're going to pound the rock. So to me, that actually gives Mark Ingram more value and doesn't really do much to the tight ends or the other uh, wide receivers. Steve, what are you thinking here about this uh, Ravens tight end situation? I, I if I was to take a flyer on any of the Ravens tight ends, it would have to be probably um, it, it would have to probably be the, the Mark Andrews. I mean Andrews. I would take the, the sophomore him. player. Yeah, the, yeah, sophomore now. Yeah, he it, because you know the pass catching tight ends tend to tend to do well in Ravens offenses. Uh, um, but you know, hence you gotta, the uh, the old Mike that. Pitta. If you look back to the Mike Pitta days, those were some great days. But that, that was also with Flacco. Yeah, but yeah, but Lamar Jackson, he he um he hit his tight ends too. Um, in that Chargers game, there was there there was that one tight end in the in the regular season. There was that tight end who had like a hundred yards or something like that. You know, so so Lamar Jackson knows how to get to his tight ends. But um, but you also got to remember that in base twenty one personnel on offense, the you know blocking tight ends are very valuable. So that's why I think they could, that they committed to Boyle like this because you know blocking tight ends are just as valuable. Maybe not for fantasy um, value, but for uh, but for running value for running backs, that's actually pretty good. Absolutely, and I think we I can would... all agree that. The real storyline here is Lamar Jackson. He's got to grow. He's got to come into his wings. We need more. Six passing touchdowns over six, seven, eight, nine games in this NFL is not going to cut it. So the growth of Lamar Jackson, that is the storyline to really watch in 2019. Sorry, Mark, one last uh, thought. Yeah, the, the biggest issue with Lamar Jackson, he has to figure out a way to protect the ball better. The amount of times that, that, that those games came to an abrupt halt because he put the ball on the ground, that's not going to cut it in the NFL. He needs to figure out how to hold the rock. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. So now it's time to move on to the Cincinnati Bengals. Now I want to talk first about their offensive contributors. They had Andy Dalton, 226 completions for 2,566 yards. That left him with 21 touchdowns and 11 interceptions. We also had Jeff Driscoll with 105 completions for 1,003 yards, six touchdowns, two interceptions, over five starts. 
On the ground, we had two running backs that contributed to this offense. Joe Mixon, 237 carries for 1,158 yards and eight rushing touchdowns, and adding 43 grabs for 296 yards and one touchdown receiving. Uh, The proven veteran Giovanni Bernard came in with only 56 carries for 211 yards and three uh, rushing touchdowns and 35 grabs for 218 receiving yards. In the air, of course, we had Tyler Boyd, kind of a breakout season in the first half there with 76 catches for 1,028 yards and seven touchdowns. You had A.J. Green playing only nine games and still totaling 46 catches for 694 yards and six touchdowns. And you had the disappointment, John Ross, 21 catches for 210 yards and seven receiving touchdowns. At the tight end position, we're going to add C.J. Uzoma, 43 catches for 439 yards and three receiving touchdowns. I do want to add that CJ Uzama got a three-year $18 million deal and seems to be the tight end to watch here in Cincinnati. So, gentlemen, this Bengals team, a lot of ups and downs, a lot of disappointment this season. Um, The one thing I do want to mention is that At the beginning of last season, before draft, I told you, draft Tyler Boyd. Do not draft John Ross. The coaches say Tyler Boyd is the next up, and people disagreed with me, and people took John Ross very high. Mark, we saw it in our league of record. John Ross was was the first, sorry, after A.J. Green, the, the first guy off the board, and people were... Tyler Boyd went undrafted because everyone needed a a touch of John Ross after having a great preseason, a couple of long bombs that he pulled in for touchdowns. And in the end, the coach told the truth. Coaches tell the truth sometimes. Mark, what do you think about this Cincinnati Bengals squad? Uh, It's so hard with this Bengals squad, especially with a new coach finally coming in in Cincinnati. There's so many question marks. What I'm most looking forward to is the fact that I'm actually finally going to get a discount on A.J. Green. Uh, for years of him being a first, maybe second-round pick, he's probably going to end up falling, I'd expect, into at least the fourth. Don't you think? I think, I think it's 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 definitely possible. And some of that comes with the injury risk. Now, here at Fantasy, at IED Sports, we don't predict injuries. We can tell you history. We can tell you how players are going to come back. We We can talk, but... I think when a player's injury history comes with a discount and looking forward there's you got to you got to weigh the concern and yeah AJ Green might come with a discount but we got to watch cuz a lot of people thought John Ross came with a discount last year and it was really Tyler Boyd who who went unclaimed so it's tough yeah, but 694 yards and six touchdowns in only 9 games mean that I will be a okay to take that that risk depending on how far he ends up dropping. Absolutely. I'd also uh, like to... Eight rounds. Not in the first eight rounds. I would not touch him until at least round nine if, it, if Ooh, I'm getting that kind of production. I don't know about Oof. that. I don't know about that's that. That's brutal. I, I would go a little higher, too. Again, nine games, that's a little more than half the season. However, I would like to point out that he had his first... I think it was the first or second week of the season. AJ Green had a two-touchdown game, and they were saying, like, oh, that's the first time he's ever scored two touchdowns in one half. And that seemed a little surprising to me. I, I kind of always thought of him as a as an end zone hawk, and apparently that's not the case with one AJ Green. Let's go to Steve now and see what Steve thinks about this Cincinnati Bengals squad. Um, they're in a transition year. 
And their offense still has weapons, obviously. But the Bengals have the number 11 pick. Do any of you think that they would draft a quarterback at 11? I don't think they would get a quarterback at 11. Do you think that they may move up to try to to try to get a quarterback? What do you guys think? They might, no, think but that... the trades would be tough. If you're moving up in this draft to get, you know, first, second, third, fourth, fifth pick, you're going to need two first rounds. And in this Bengals squad does not have two first rounds. They have no one worth trading. They want to leave, you know, their defense intact. Their offense. I mean, Andy Dalton is, oof. He's looked really rough. But then when you look at his stats, 21 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, over 11 games, that's not bad, right? Mark, is that bad? It, it's not bad, but it's never it's never what you want. You're never, never happy enough. with yeah. that. And here, here's the problem that I see with trying to pick up a quarterback this year. I think that the draft class, as far as quarterbacks go, is relatively light this year. Next year actually has a number of decent players coming out, though. I would not put it past the Bengals to be willing to take that kind of dud of a season and uh, and see if they can get a higher pick next year. They, they've been doing it for a decade. Now, when we talk about team MVP, I think we all are in agreement. Joe Mixon is this team's MVP, or do we have any Tyler oh, yeah. Boyd? Uh, I was thinking Tyler about Boyd consideration Tyler Boyd some love. I, I, but I would put him under surprise. Uh, but I would definitely uh, um, Tyler Boyd definitely got some consideration. But Joe Mixon is the MVP because he showed when he played that he was that he was a top RB one in fantasy. Absolutely. Now, when we look at this, Tyler Boyd seventy six for one thousand twenty eight and seven touchdowns. Mark, if you had to call a stat line for Tyler Boyd. Let's assume Andy Dalton start team is starting 16 games. Tyler Boyd, over or under 90 receptions? Oh, I'd say over too. Steve is over. Mark is over. Um, over or under 1,400 receiving yards? Under. I said over. Okay, you, you were talking about the same time. Um, I, I would say if, if it's 90, that's 15 more receptions. It's going to be right around that 1,400, maybe just slightly below. Seven touchdowns, let's say 15 more receptions, he gets nine touchdowns over under. I'd say that's right about where, I'd want to, where I would want to put it. Yeah, me too. I'm okay, going to push that. Fine. Nine and a half. Mark? I'll take the under then. I'll, I'm expecting under. nine. Steve, okay. Um, yeah. Okay, so now we see where we are. And that's that would put him in the wide receiver two range. Um, round be, four or five, be, you'd be comfortable? Um, he would be around Juju's number, and Juju was Ooh. eight in PPR, so so he would be around eight or nine. All right. Well, talk about Juju. Next up is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, before you get started, Steve, I know you're a Pittsburgh homer. Let me get through the stats. Take, a, de- take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. I have some stats take- to read. Big breath. I know. I, I'm taking off the, the Steelers homer That, br- that brown bag. Uh, I promise. Breathing into a brown bag over there. Okay. Let's talk about Pittsburgh Steelers offensive <laughs> contributors. We had Ben Roethlisberger, 452 passes for 5,129 yards. Darn, that's a lot of yards. 34 touchdowns is the NFL. a lot of touchdowns, 34, and 16 interceptions. 
On the ground, we had a duo worth talking about. James Conner, 215 rushes for 973 yards and 12 touchdowns. And he added 55 grabs for 497 yards and one receiving touchdown. Then you had some Jalen Samuels, 56 rushes for 256 rushing yards, 29 catches for 199 yards and three receiving touchdowns. In the air, you had Juju Smith-Schuster led the team, ding, 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 led the team, 111 receptions, 1,426 yards, 7 touchdowns. Antonio Brown, 104 receptions for 1,287 yards and 15 receiving touchdowns. Vance McDonald's, 50 catches, 610 yards, 4 touchdowns. And Jesse James, 30 catches for 423 yards and 2 receiving touchdowns. Now, if I told you in 2018... Uh, beginning of the season that the leading rusher was going to be James Conner and that Le'Veon Bell was actually going to sit out the whole game and that 2019 wasn't going to have Brown or Le'Veon Bell in Pittsburgh. Steve, what would you say? Back at the beginning of 2018, I would have called the person crazy. But that is exactly the situation we're going into. Of course, Antonio Brown is gone, but he was replaced. They signed Dante Moncrief, Mark. Step up or step down. <laughs> that's clearly a step down. I, I don't think anyone can. That's not a step down. Pull that that that's there. that's like one of those, you know, the uh, the fire escape hatch. The 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 stairs aren't going down, and now you just got to jump six stories. Well, okay. Let, let me just say. Oh, this. let's hear it. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. We're gonna get some Dante Moncrief defense. This is this is the only thing I'm gonna say in defense of Dante Moncrief. His last now. two years, his last two years at Indianapolis was when Andrew Luck was injured, and they were and they were a much lower scoring offense. And then, um, and then when he was at Jacksonville, it was a low scoring, low throwing offense. So if you take the year that he was the full number two receiver, he had 800 receiving yards and eight touchdowns. So it would it it is in the realm of possibility for Dante Moncrief, who's going to a very high flying offense where they, where they where Pittsburgh does produce two thousand yard receivers almost every season. It is Absolutely. possible for that to happen. Now, Mark. what I will say, what I will say is that this is arguably the best place that Moncrief could have landed. Whether or not that ends up being the best case scenario for the Pittsburgh Steelers is still yet to be seen. I mean, there's a vacuum it, on this team, and if you look, Juju Smith-Schuster had more receptions, 150 more yards, eight less touchdowns. Okay, okay. The vacuum but, but comes with touchdowns. Mm-hmm. The, but the, but, the, but Juju and AB were playing two different positions. They were. Yeah, they, um so Juju Juju is going to get the double coverage that, um, this go around. So yes, we'll, we'll see we'll see how it goes because um, because right now my projection is Juju will go will go back to the slot. Dante Moncrief will go to the X, and um, and whoever they draft or James Washington will go to the Y. So we'll we'll see what we'll see how that formation works out. Okay, now when I see this numbers again. I, Juju Smith-Schuster is gonna. He, he's getting attention. Mark and Steve over or under ninety receptions for Juju Smith-Schuster. Over. 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 Okay. Over or under thirteen hundred yards. 
Under. Probably under. Over, under, eight touchdowns. Over. Over. All right, so... When I look at this roster, you got to look at MVPs. And for me, that's got to be Ben Roethlisberger, someone who I am taking to have a huge step down next year. Of course, 34 touchdowns, 15 of them were to a player who is no longer on that roster. I could see him having right around 27, 28 touchdowns next year. He seems to have up and down years, and this was certainly an up year, a career season for Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, how do we project him going forward, Steve? Um, ben Roethlisberger, he's, I, he, of the three from his draft class, I think that he still has the most upside. I, I really like Philip Because well, he's not in a walker. Because he, he doesn't have a walker? Yeah, basically. Okay. I mean, uh, between it's between him and it's between him and Philip Rivers right now because I have I, I'm sorry I have no faith in Eli right now because he's really um, bad. he's really bad. Yeah, yeah, okay. and and you know Ben Ben Roethlisberger he's been in situations where he he's had a great cast of weapons. There were a couple of times where he had a no cast of weapons and he's still done well. So I I think that having Juju there does help. The Steelers are historically good at um, at drafting and developing wide receivers, and they're also really good at bringing in young and talented wide receivers. So Absolutely. I, we'll, I we'll think... see what 2019 brings mm-hmm. for this Steelers squad. Now, mm-hmm. yeah, we have to move I, on. I still think Next Ben will up... throw around 4,500. Okay, okay, that's fair. We have to move on. Next up is the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns contributors. First, let's start out with the quarterback. Baker Mayfield had 13 starts last season. He had 310 passes for 3,725 yards, 27 touchdowns, and 14 interceptions over 13 games. We had a trio of running backs led by Nick Chubb with 192 rushes for 996 yards and 8 touchdowns. He also added 20 grabs for 149 yards and 2 receiving touchdowns. Carlos Hyde started the season as the running back one, and he had 114 rushes for 382 yards and five touchdowns. The receiving specialist for this Cleveland Browns team was Duke Johnson. 40 rushes for 201 yards and 47 receptions for 429 yards and three touchdowns. The two wide receivers of note were Jarvis Landry with 81 grabs for 976 yards and four touchdowns, and Antonio Callaway, who went 43 receptions for 586 yards and five touchdowns. Moving on to tight ends, we had David Njoku, 56 catches for 639 yards and four receiving touchdowns. That is your 2018 Cleveland Browns. Okay, so when we look at this 2018 Cleveland Browns, I think the team MVP is the front office. They brought in Baker Mayfield, who had a great second half of the season. And, of course, over the offseason, they added OBJ, uh, defensive tackle Sheldon Richardson, and running back Kareem Hunt brought him in for nothing. So what do we think about this Cleveland Browns team, Mark? This Cleveland Browns team for this upcoming season is terrifying. Uh However, you also have to have that little bit of warning that they are still the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Try as you may, they very well could uh, screw the pooch on this one. 
They absolutely could, and, and it, it could get ugly here before it gets better. Steve, what do you think about this Cleveland Browns team? I think that the Cleveland Browns are imitating what the L.A. Rams did last offseason, which is bringing in strong surrounding talent to complement their young and talented quarterback. Obviously, bringing in a superstar like OBJ, that really helps. And I think that the Browns have built a legitimate Super Bowl contending team. My Ooh, only that's concern, hot. That's coming in hot. Well, well, wait for my hot take later. Okay. But my, but, but my only concern is that they have a first-time head coach, and we, and he will whether be Sean McVay or Vance Joseph. Let's see. It'll be interesting to see what he does. Steve, that, that, that burns just to hear the words coming out of your mouth. Now, moving on to next season, OBJ and Jarvis Landry, I think, are wide receivers that complement each other very, very well. That's going to be tight. Now, David Njoku, Mark, I know you loved him last season. He was a huge disappointment yep. in 2018. Only 56 grabs, four touchdowns. Huge... I'm going to say he's a huge I mean, he was drafted. He was drafted tight end four, five, six in, in different rounds, and he ended up right around that position. All right, all right. So when we come down to our surprise of the year, it's got to be Baker Mania. Everyone knew he was going to come in and and be the guy eventually, but he started thirteen games, three thousand seven hundred twenty-five yards, twenty-seven touchdowns, fourteen interceptions. If this was not a year where you had Pat Mahomes breaking records, Baker Mayfield would have been the story. So what do we think about Baker mania? What was your surprise for this Cleveland Browns team, Mark? Uh, I was actually surprised at how quickly uh, Nick Chubb took the reins and really dominated that backfield. Uh, Sorry, he went to me first. (laughs) Deal with it. Uh, (laughs) But it was amazing because I had high hopes for Nick Chubb. I thought that he was going to be a fantastic player. But you want to talk about somebody who just grabbed the reins and didn't let go and just really proved what he had. Nick Chubb was, what, four yards out from 1,000 yards? Yeah, and four he yards. barely touched the ball for the first handful and of games? Ten combined touch ten combined touchdowns. Now, he only had 20 receptions, and Dookie Johnson was still getting the work. You have to think after game eight, Kareem Hunt is going to be that complimentary back. Steve, does it worry you that Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb are going to be on the same ball club? I don't think so. I think I think that there is a strong chance that, and we talked about this earlier in the off season, that Kareem Hunt was probably just brought in to to get up his trade value in the off season and in the preseason, and then the Cleveland Browns try to trade him. That's what I wondered a lot about I, too. Now, the coaching staff at the second half of last season, Dookie Johnson was barely used in the first half. Second half, they recommitted to passing him the football. Chubb and Dookie together played really good. They had a couple of great games combined. And it it made me scratch my head about Kareem Hunt, except I thought maybe, you know, being in Cleveland, he can be a little more low-key. Not like he was brought in in New York or a bigger market where the attention's going to be on him. Is that More low-key than Kansas City? Well, in the football universe, yes. I mean, in the football universe, yes. Um, until they brought an OBJ, now all the attention is back on the Browns. 
but I thought that was the play too. I thought they were bringing him in to to give him a test. Now there is a roster limit, and I'm not sure. We need to do a little extra research. Seemed to me like either they would look to trade him, or if they offered him a qualifying offer, they can get a complimentary draft pick, or sorry, compensatory draft pick next year. We need to look in on that, but. Uh, I really want to know what the long play is here on one Kareem Hunt. You'd have to think it's not rushing him the ball, and he's not going to be a workhorse for this team. So very interesting to look ahead. Now, takeaways. Steve, you you were you were itching at this one. What is your takeaway for the Cleveland Browns next season? Well, actually, I, 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 um, I want to do a takeaway on the AFC North in general for fantasy, okay. if that's okay. Yeah. Good. I my My takeaway is that the AFC North will produce not one, not two, but three, top three running backs. I think that James Conner, Joe Mixon, Chubb, and Joe Mixon are going to be the top three backs in the uh, top three fantasy backs in the NFL in 2019. Oof. Oof. Especially with a, like a non-pass catching back with Nick Chubb. He, he's going to need volume. He's going to need 1,400 yards and 15 touchdowns next season to get up uh, there. I assure you that he, will not he be the case. The, he, he had the Raiders – Nick Chubb had the Raiders game where he had three touches for 104 yards and three touchdowns – I mean, in two touchdowns. He could certainly get 1,400, 1,500 yards. Oh, no, I just want to make sure that you do understand – you do understand that both Ezekiel Elliott and Saquon Barkley do still exist, right? Yep. Okay, just making sure. I, I thought he I, was going I, to... I, I, that... I, I have Ezekiel Elliott on my dynasty team, and I have Nick Chubb, and I have James Conner on my dynasty team. Mark, you know where I thought he was going with this? I thought he was going that this uh, North was going to produce three playoff teams. That's what I thought he was and going with. That's too, and that's something like, I can kind of, I mean, Bengals, okay, are going to need. Math doesn't, math doesn't work that the way. The biggest they step up. play each other. Yeah, yeah. Um, Raven, I mean, it could Ravens, happen. I could see. Browns, definitely. Steelers, definitely. I mean, but, Browns are going to be this big offseason story because of the OBJ signing. Um, they did give one of their first-round picks up to the Giants. You know who I'm actually mo- I'm incredibly excited this upcoming season, and I've heard a lot of people going back and forth with it. I'm actually really excited for Jarvis Landry coming up. I think I'm more excited for Jarvis Landry going into this upcoming season than I was last season, and I was pretty excited about Landry last season. Bless him. Yeah, yeah. Bless he's him, gonna man. he's gonna be great. OBJ is gonna get the double teams, so Jarvis Landry outside out of the slot. Oh, he he might he might ha- he might break the um, record for reception. I think it's fair to say take- this is the best team Jarvis Landry's ever played on, with the best quarterback Jarvis Landry's ever played with, and he's going to be he's the leader in the locker room. It is not OBJ. Jarvis Landry is the leader in this locker room. I could honestly see a situation where Baker Mayfield has a better touchdown interception ratio and better numbers. Who do I want to say it? Yeah, I'm gonna say I could see I could see a spot where Baker Mayfield puts up better numbers than Pat Mahomes next year. Mahomes already had the best year of his career. Oh, I thought He's, you were gonna say Ben. Mahomes is not getting better. Mahomes had his career year. Those are when you look at this, he might get really close, but those that's his number one touchdown total. That's his number one yardage total. It'll never be close again. I think Mahomes will would have been close to it. We'll have to see uh, what's going on. If you haven't heard the news. Tyreek Hill's possibly under investigation for 
various assault no, he, charges. He's not possibly uh, under investigation. He's under investigation. Right, so he is, he's under he investigation. Is. So depending on what ends up happening with that will be a huge hit to Patrick Mahomes and his ability next year. Absolutely. Yeah. So, well, it's all looking up, and that is the AFC North. Mark, thanks again. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Thanks for joining us today. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Be safe. Steve, you too. Go uh, grab that uh, corned beef cabbage. Have a good night. <laughs> thanks. I hate corned beef, though. It's actually not a traditional Irish meal. Did you know that? I-80 Sports Irish Watchers. Do you know that that is not a traditional meal? Irish... Tradi- <sighs> I don't want to go on to this. Okay. The Irish traditionally are like poor farmers and probably couldn't afford corned beef, which is actually really expensive. It's Irish American. It has nothing to do with Ireland. It, it's not just potatoes. Well, if it was an, 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 yeah. a typical Irish meal, it would be cabbage and potatoes and more potatoes. Corned beef, corn beef was one of the cheaper cuts of meat over here in America. It's very expensive over there, cheaper over here. That's why it swapped over and became an Irish American uh-huh. thing. Well, now you learned some football. Now you learned some Irish history. Have a great St. Patrick's Day. Have a great week, guys.